Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Party people. We gonna get funky? Yeah. Just hit me. <laughs> Yo, what's going on? This is the Rob One, Robert Jenkins. I'm coming to you, not live, but definitely direct from Moon Mind Productions. North Star Podcast, back on air once again. I have been gone for some time, and there's a good reason for it. However, I won't get into that reason right now. What I really want to do is drop something kind of spooky and true on your eardrums. Uh, Halloween is right around the corner, and this season is my favorite season of all times. I think Halloween is probably my favorite holiday. I don't know exactly why that is. I think I have some some possibilities why that might be, but I think um, we can explore those at another time. So what I'm going to do is tell y'all a story. And this story was something that I heard circulating in my family told to me by my grandfather, my dad, and my grandma Dorothy. Uh, that's that's uh, Grandpa Robert Jenkins the first, my dad Robert Jenkins the second, and my grandmother, grandmother Dorothy Parker. Or Dorothy, she has, it depends on how you want to name her, Dorothy Parker Jenkins Gary, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, Dorothy Gary at, at death, at time of death. Um, but this story is yet another one of those stories that circulated in the Jenkins uh, Parker family and it is something that is uh, it is true it is not a story it is not a fictional tale it is not something that was told to you just to scare you it's something that as far as I understand it is true and this story is called I call it something back there it's something back there I wrote this short story, uh, kind of recounting something that I, I heard in my family, and I wrote it on 22 March 2000. So here we go, folks. Something back there. There is something back there. Breakfast was simple, as it always was. This was partly due to the fact that the Parkers were poor, but then again, Henry was never much on breakfast anyway. His mother, Olivia, was scouring the black cast iron skillet in which she had just fried the salt pork ends. Henry hurriedly gobbled the last piece of salt pork in his own bowl, scooping up a mound of buttery sugar-sweet grits to help wash it down. Really, he was much too excited to eat. He was just trying not to be rude considering Olivia, or Olivia as everybody called her, had gotten up at 4.30 to cook for him. After all, today was the day that he, Henry Parker Jr., was going on his first solo hunt. He had to keep his strength up. His father, Henry Parker Sr., had reluctantly agreed to let him go into the woods behind the house to look around a little bit, if and only if Henry did well in school that semester. And it wasn't that he was worried about his safety. I mean, at 15, Henry the Younger was actually a better hunter than most grown men. He could walk on the driest leaves without making a sound. He could take a squirrel's head off with his bolt-action single-shot twenty-two rifle at 40 yards. <laughs> 60 depended on who he was talking to. And with his faithful hound, King, there wasn't a varmint in Brazos County that was safe. So it really wasn't a question of his hunting skill or his ability to handle himself back there in the woods that his father was concerned about. Maybe... It was the fact that the boy was too good a hunter, and he knew it, and maybe he was a little overconfident in his ability. All he thought about was hunting. That's why he had to promise to attend more to his studies before he could go off on his first solo outing. 
Henry Jr. let his spoon fall noisily into the half-eaten bowl of grits, hoping that his mother would catch the hint. From over the sink where she was wiping up the counter, Olivi glanced back at him. All right, boy, I know you can't contain yourself no longer. If you done at your field, you can go on and go. But you be careful back there, you hear? The words, yes, ma'am, hung by themselves in the air near Henry's empty, pushed-back chair. He was already gone by the time they met Olivia's ears and pushed their way into her crowded mind. As mothers sometimes do, she had misgivings about her son's proposed solo outing. It wasn't that she could put a name to her fears or point to any ominous sign or portent or dream, but still, she was worried. Hey, baby, good morning. How you doing? Henry Sr.'s huge frame filled the doorway to the tiny kitchen. We got any coffee fixed, baby? Morning, dear. Olivia's voice sounded hollow and as though she were talking to him from a distance. Her eyes were distant as well as she absentmindedly poured the strong black coffee into Henry's favorite tin mug. It was easy to see why he liked that mug so much. They were just the same. Both of them was getting old and were a little dinged up from years of hard work, but... They were still well put together and dependable. Something wrong, little lady? Henry Sr. took his wife's hand in an unusual display of affection. He couldn't quite read her thoughts, but the expression on her face spoke volumes. Uh, I'm just worried about that nappy-haired boy of yours. Why you letting him go back there, Henry? Olivia's eyes and tone of voice pleaded with him to reverse his decision. Well, baby, he be all right. The boy almost 16 years old. I think it'd do him some good to have a little independence and responsibility. Oh, hell, he almost a man. I went on my first hunting trip by myself when I was 14. <laughs> he hoped his words sounded more confident than he felt. Worry and faraway looks were contagious that morning, judging from Henry's eyes, which were dark and distant like the storm clouds hovering on the horizon. Uh, he'd be all right back there, he said again, mainly to himself. From the dark, cramped room next to the kitchen where he and his three siblings slept, Henry the Younger could hear every word his parents spoke. As he dressed hurriedly in the darkness, Henry wondered what the big deal was. Like Pop said, he went on his first hunt when he was 14. Hell, I'm almost 16. I should have been and went hunting by myself. He thought with a mild sense of outrage. <laughs> anyway, I'm a better hunter than Pops ever was. I know more about them woods than two grown men. His outrage expanded into pride as he leaned out, waving from the caboose of his train of thought. Perhaps his meager 15 years were excuse enough for his ignorance of the proverb, pride goeth before a fall. But then, what are proverbs to a boy of 15? All Henry Jr. had faith in at this point in his life was the thrill of the hunt, the sound of wind whispering through the treetops, the warmth of the sun on his dark skin, the sound of King's musical baying when he had treed some varmint, and the crack of that twenty-two that signaled the end of the race for whatever creature was careless enough to cross his path. As he finished dressing, young Henry was bursting with anticipation. His mind already roamed the woods in search of game, even though his body was still at home. 
he began gingerly stepping through the prostrated forms of his sleeping siblings with the natural ease and skill of one at home picking their way through tangled roots and branches. A small, sleepy voice rose up to meet him as he crept through the darkness. Hey, Henry, you going hunting today? There was a rustling of covers as his brother John shifted positions. Yeah, you want me to shoot you anything special? Henry responded in a hushed voice. Yeah, how about some possum? The small voice queried. Oh, you got it, John John. I'ma bring back a whole mess of possum just for you. The brightness of John's eyes and teeth as he grinned in the darkness was thanks enough. <laughs> now you going back to sleep, little man. Henry the Younger left the room and took the two or three steps down the hallway to where the kitchen met it. He turned the corner and stood for a moment in the doorway, looking expectantly at his parents, waiting for his father to change his mind and order him to stay home for the day. He was happy when his father grinned up at him over his cup of coffee. You ready for your big day, Junior? Henry Sr.'s grin was as wide as John John's had been just moments before. Even though he was a little worried, he was still flooded with that fatherly pride. Yes, sir. That was all young Henry could manage. So relieved was he that his permission had not been rescinded. But come on and walk me out. It's about time for me to go on to work. Henry Sr. was still grinning as he rose and downed the last drops of coffee in his beloved cup. The two Henrys, father and son, turned their steps back toward the door. Noticing Olivia's worried glance, they both stopped short. Henry gave her his customary, I'll see you later, baby. His face was an odd mixture of pride and concern. The younger Henry teetered indecisively between manhood and childhood. His inner child longed to hug and kiss her goodbye, but the man in him, awakening slowly but surely, somehow felt that such a display would be, well, childish. Of course, Big Henry's frank expectant stare didn't help matters at all. He, too, had an unconscious sense of the importance of the moment. In his incertitude, little Henry took his mother's hand in a gesture that ended up as either an elegant handshake or a clumsy, incomplete attempt to kiss it. Don't worry, Ma, I'll be all right, he stammered, his tongue struggling under the weight of impending manhood and all it implied. Big Henry clapped his son on the back heartily like a man does another man. Emboldened by this rough sign of approbation, Henry stood a little bit straighter and puffed his little bird chest out a little bit and repeated with somewhat more confidence. <laughs> yeah, I'll be all right. I'm going to bring something good home for dinner tonight. With a warm, if somewhat sad smile, Oliva replied, I know you will, son. I know you will. She watched her two favorite men as they stepped out of the screen door, already earnestly discussing the day's prospects. She continued watching them as they stepped into the half-light of the early autumn morning. Outside, beneath the big elm tree next to their shack, Big Henry was giving Little Henry some last-minute tips. So remember, trust a king. His nose and ears is far better than yours gonna ever be. And let the woods talk to you, son. You gotta listen to them and trust them. They ain't gonna lie to you. Big Henry paused a moment, beaming at his son in the half-light of early morning. Now, boy, you be careful back there. I got to get on out to the field before Mr. Mitchell get to cussing and fussing. Again, the hearty slap on the back. Hmm. 
Little Henry's grin spread and brightened his face. Behind him, the sun's light was spreading too, brightening the dusky sky. Yes, sir, Little Henry nodded. His pride swelled to nearly the point of bursting. Well, all right, Junior, I'll see you later. You going back there and bring us a good dinner home. Big Henry turned toward the narrow, red-graveled road and began the long walk out to the cotton fields where he sharecropped. It's hard to see why they called it sharecropping, since ornery old Mr. Bob Mitchell not only owned the land, but also took 99% of all the profits it garnered. This is not even considering the fact that all the tools and supplies that poor black men like Henry Parker Sr. used to work the land were purchased, usually on credit, from Mr. Mitchell's general store. Little Henry's mind passed lightly over this outrage as he watched his father stride down the little gravel road. He was too excited for any socio-economic philosophizing. In the semi-darkness, he could see King's eyes glowing, collecting and reflecting every ion of available light. Come on, boy, he called out to his faithful companion. King's ears perked up at his master's voice. It was as though he too had been sitting on pins and needles, waiting for the day to finally begin. As though he too knew that today was the day. King bounced around and reared against his chain, eager to get the hunt started. The younger Henry kneeled next to King and unfastened the heavy chain. Grateful for his freedom, King pawed little Henry frantically and licked his face and hair. His dog's breath played around Henry's nostrils. Henry smiled inadvertently and frisked King's jaws and neck. After fastening the short leather hunting leash to King's collar, the two friends proceeded towards the woods behind the little shack with the slanted tin roof. Shadow and light played a silent, stealthy game of tag at the edge of the yard. Any type of dark, carnivorous beast could be lurking back there in the darkness. Only a true hunter could keep his nerve in the face of such a spooky, insidious display of optical tricks. As it was, Henry and King stepped boldly towards the encroaching East Texas wilderness. As they neared the tree line, Henry paused, stooping to let King off his leash. The metal and wood of his firearm clanged together as he chambered around in his ancient twenty-two rifle. The sound echoed and bounced around in the soft, warm, semi-dark morning air. Watching from the back window of the little shack, Olivi bowed her head, closed her eyes, and said a prayer. Stepping into the dark wilderness of branches and roots and weeds, Henry Jr. felt immediately at home. Something in him stretched its arms and took a deep breath of the fresh woody air. So moist and clean, it actually smelled green, if such a thing is possible. King raced ahead, splitting the underbrush like a furry dolphin slicing through the green breast of the open sea. His padded paws found the hard ground and made not even the slightest sound as he sniffed and snooped along the tangled roots and thorns and bushes. Behind him, Henry was a dark, sleek shadow floating silently along. His eyes were used to the poor light and his nose and ears were wide open, taking in even the subtlest scents and sounds. Gradually, as he sped along several yards behind King, who was now out of sight, Henry began to notice what the woods were saying to them in their throaty wind and the willow's voice.
Actually, he began to notice what they weren't saying. Where was the incessant chatter of the jipper sparrows, jays, and warblers who, by now, should have been stretching their wings and getting started with their busy little lives? Where was the fleeting glimpse of white as a jackrabbit instinctively fled into the brush, leaving only dust and the memory of his white tail hanging in the air behind him? Something was wrong. Henry knew it wasn't King. King was a natural hunter, and he would never give his presence away until it was time. It must have been him. But what was he doing wrong? He couldn't hear a sound as he padded along. He had taken care not to wear any cologne or use any fragrant soap, so what was the matter? There seemed to be nothing stirring, not even a single animal in the immediate vicinity. I mean, it had been 40 minutes and Henry hadn't even noticed the slightest hint of life. Something was definitely out of place. Henry instinctively slowed down in order to better understand what the woods were saying. Nothing. He padded along, somehow treading automatically the exact same trail that King was following, even though his faithful friend hadn't been visible for several minutes. Suddenly, just as Henry was beginning to think seriously about the strange silence and absence of life and motion around him, King's magnificent baying shattered the stillness of the morning. Henry's pulse raced and his eyes widened. Good old King, he was on the trail of some varmint. Finally, this is what Henry lived for, the thrill of the hunt. He sped up, still moving without sound, crashing silently through the surrounding branches and grasses. King's baying set the woods a tremble with excitement. Now, as suddenly as it had started, all the noise and commotion stopped. Henry sped up, bewildered. Had King lost the scent? Usually he would be waking the dead with his treed bark, signaling that he had trapped whatever varmint he was chasing up a tree. Henry burst through the underbrush into a clearing to find King crouching rigidly with the hair on his hackles standing straight up, quivering like prairie grass in a stiff breeze. His head was lowered and all his teeth showed as he growled fiercely at nothing. Henry instinctively crouched behind King, surveying the well-lit clearing. There was nothing. The air was still, and Henry, too, had stopped breathing, struggling to detect some movement or sound that would clue him in to what King was sensing. King's growl lowered in pitch, and his muscles tensed visibly beneath his dark coat. For the first time in his life, Henry was afraid of the woods. His mouth was dry, and his arms and legs trembled with mounting fear. He had raised his twenty-two, but there was nothing to shoot. Still, King growled, threatening attack. And suddenly he did attack. King's body sailed into the clearing, but his flight was stopped in midair as though he had struck something solid. But there was nothing. Or something. King reared up on his hind legs and snapped viciously at the air. Clearly, something was supporting his weight as he gnashed back and forth. Suddenly, he was able to get a mouthful of whatever beast it was he was fighting. He swung his head side to side in a powerful tearing motion. Young Henry watched in amazement as his fearless friend was lifted bodily off the ground and flung like a sweaty shirt across the clearing. As soon as King touched the ground, he pounced immediately back into the fight. All Henry could see was dust flying and grass being uprooted as two powerful forces wrestled. 
There was King's dark body thrashing and biting and making terrible growling sounds, and then there was air. Nothing. King closed his powerful jaws down and apparently took a serious bite out of his opponent. An unearthly blood-curdling screech shattered the air. King had gotten near a good shot and was now circling some unseen creature. And then he leapt in for the final assault. Henry watched King's attack as it was thrust off to the side. As King recovered, there was a sound of heavy, hasty steps tearing across the clearing. King gave chase hot on the heels of whatever it was. From across the clearing, Henry heard a strange, heavy scratching sound, like one of those clawed garden tools being pulled in short, heavy strokes across a wooden plank. A moment later, King had dashed up to the trunk of a large oak tree. His treed bark rang out triumphantly through the woods. Henry Jr. strained his eyes to see what King had trapped in the lofty branches of the gnarled oak, but he couldn't see anything. King still leaned against the tree on his hind legs, wagging his tail and barking furiously. Henry's blood was frozen and his legs were rooted where he stood. He was totally lost. What is it? His mind frantically clawed around for an answer, just as whatever invisible thing this was had just frantically clawed its way to safety up the trunk of that ancient oak. Not knowing what to do, Henry decided to beat a retreat. King! King! Come on, boy! Come on! King looked back bewildered as though to say, come on, I got him now, shoot him. But firing a shot at an invisible creature strong enough to stand up to King was the last thing on Henry's mind. Come on, King, now. Come on, boy, come on. With a groan, King reluctantly backed down the trunk of the tree, whirled in his tracks and trotted over to the other side of the clearing where his master stood, dry-mouthed and shaking. With a final open-mouthed glance at the oak tree, Young Henry spun on his heels and took flight. As he crashed through the underbrush, not caring whether he made any noise or not, Henry fancied that he could hear heavy footfalls and labored breathing behind him. Too afraid to even look back, he sped onward, King limping next to him, bearing the emblems of battle. His trusty twenty-two was, in the face of such a foe, merely a trinket. Struggling through some dense shrubbery, he let the gun fall from his hand. It was dead weight, slow in his flight. What had taken better than half an hour was reduced to a few minutes in his mad scramble back home. As he tore into the clearing behind the shack, O'Levy spun around, startled. She had been hanging laundry out on the line, but glimpsing Henry's torn clothing and wide, frightened eyes, she dropped her work and bolted towards him. King hobbled up, his coat a latticework of scars, blood, and foam. Boy, what's wrong with you? Seeing her oldest boy in such a state, Olivia was sliding down the slippery slope from concern into panic. What happened? Is you all right? Henry was out of breath, shaking and incapable of speech. Olivia patted him all over, checking for wounds. Finding none, she clutched the boy to her chest. This time, Henry hugged her back, crying and stammering. Her voice was warm and familiar and strong, and he was glad to acknowledge her motherly instinct. Boy, what happened? She inquired again, beginning to calm down. Henry, still shaking and incoherent, could only stammer in reply. Mama, is something back there? <laughs>